0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Saeem Ahmed. You probably know Saeem from either all of his writings on Dark Souls, his interview with Hideo Miyazaki, or where I know him from, which is his two episodes of Twin Humanities. Uh, He is a delightful person. He's got a lot of history with the Souls games. We sat down and talked about all of that history, plus um, how these games have kind of changed him, changed his career path, and how how it changed how he approaches games, and pretty much everything in between. As always, I think you're going to really enjoy this episode.
1: I guess my start with the Soul series was, uh, it was actually with the Manga Berserk. I was reading it when I was a teenager, probably like 14, 15 ish. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, wow, this is like some really hardcore dark fantasy stuff that I didn't know I was into at the time. Um, <laughs>
0: it's one of those things you pick up and you're like, oh yeah, this was made for me. I just didn't know it yet.
1: Yeah, totally. So it was just sort of, I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. And you got Guts and the Black Swordsman. And then I started looking at like Berserk games. And. You know, at the time, it was all like the PS2 and Dreamcast games, but um, on YouTube, there was a trailer for Demon Souls, and it was cut to some of the Berserk soundtrack, and I was like, holy shit, this is so cool. Um, and at the time, Demon Souls didn't have an English release in America or Europe, so it was the Asian version of Demon's Souls that was available, and I had my eye on it for so long. Um... Like I learned everything about Demon Souls. I understood how the game worked, how souls worked, how death worked, and just doing all this research. like bearing in mind, like I didn't have to like much money to spend on games at the time because I was fifteen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so um, I patiently waited for the European release of Demon Souls. And um, when it came out, I got the Black Phantom Edition. Which came with like a nice little art book and and stuff like that and yeah. cool red phantom front cover.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I wish that was uh, um, still around because I would I would totally pick the, snag that up if I could find it anywhere.
1: You know, I think I think some copies can still be floating around on eBay in the UK at least anyway. So you might still be in luck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was like the first print release, and I was like, I was determined to get it. Like, so I had like my final like high school exams at the time as well. Uh, while Demon's Souls came out. And I remember just, like, throwing all my revision to the side. I was like, I have to play this video game. I need to. It's my duty.
0: The responsible 15-year-old. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, turns out I didn't get great grades in school, so... <laughs> um, yeah, so I picked up Demon's Souls, I started playing it, and I remember um, 1-1, bulletarian Palace, it took me six or seven hours just to get to phalanx (laughs) um and i was just completely enamored by it like from from the word go uh i think the combat is what really drew me in at the time because Mm -hmm. i was really into like i still am into really cool systems and animation based combat i think something that's pretty similar to to demons and dark souls was that uh, dark Messiah of Might and Magic. I don't know if you've played it. Oh yeah, yeah it was, I have. It Absolutely. was made by mm-hmm. the people who did Dishonored. Mm-hmm. And it had this amazing first-person combat and it felt really tactile. And, you know, I could kick people off ledges and defend and attack and parry. And I felt that Demon Souls gave me all that while also, like, breeding this sort of really dark atm- atmospheric world. Um. So my, the obsession really started there. And... I think the game only really super clicked for me after I defeated the Tower Knight. I went from one one straight to one two Boletarian Palace, and um, I remember having this amazing fight with the the Tower Knight. It was the first I I did it first time. I remember that, and I was running out of uh, healing grass, and I had a magic. I had some. I think it was Soul Arrow. And I had, like, one cast of Soul Arrow left. I had no healing items. It was running for me. And I cast a Soul Arrow just in time to kill it. And I, like, threw the controller on the side of the room and just yelled. Uh, Because I was like, oh, my God. Like, the sort of rush of endorphins you get, like, when you do that for the first time, it's it's incredible. So I think from then on, I was like, okay, like, it's time to find, like, everything everything about this game, like from the community to, you know, all the guides on the internet and all the videos and all the lore stuff I can, and um, I think this was 2010 so Dark Souls was still a little far out, but um, That was kind of the,
0: the, the early days of all of that stuff too, like there was Wikipedia, there was wikis of Demon Souls, but it was all like because I remember yeah, some, so some of those maps are still around. And, like, it's like what, what am yeah, I looking yeah, at yeah. with these maps?
1: <laughs> so I actually, um, during that sort of period of time, was talking to one of the admins of that wiki. I think is called Ilkar. Mm-hmm. We're not in touch now, but I remember during that time we talked so much about different strategies and builds and stuff like that. So I I, I got real deep into that stuff. Real deep. <laughs> I mean, I was the age for it, so it makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and I remember, I think it was... Tokyo Game Show that year, that uh, the first like rubbish trailer of Project Dark came out, and um, I think we had like a little glimpse of the gaping dragon in there as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, oh my god, this is totally a Demon Souls follow-up. I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> And I can't stress to you, like, how rubbish this trailer looked. It was, like, off-screen. Like, there was, like, light blinding half of the screen as well. So you (laughs) couldn't, like, really see anything that well. But I was so hyped, nonetheless. And this sort of aligned with the time that I was starting to write about games. So I started my own blog and started to type some stuff up. And, you know, it was all terrible. And while i was while i was doing that when i played demon souls i was like oh my god this is the best game ever i have to tell everybody that this is the greatest game ever made and why that is and i think it's still up uh on that little rubbish little blog somewhere <laughs> something i wrote like eight years ago being like demon souls it's like Mega Man, but it's really hard and 3d and it's got swords <laughs> uh-
0: <laughs> you were, were you, you think you were the first person to be like Mega Man is the dark souls of x or whatever. <laughs>
1: i i don't i don't think i think it was um i think the the sort of source of that term came from giant bombs Vinny caravella i think he said it in it like, did
0: yeah yeah i remember yeah because i was i was a really big fan that he's the one that inspired me to actually play dark souls for the first time so oh uh, really yeah, yeah yeah so
1: i was really pumped because i was a huge fan of giant bomb at the time which inspired me to do all this stuff in the first place um like all my career and writing and um, so yeah, I think I, I tried to tell everyone that Demon's Souls is the greatest thing ever. All my school friends uh, uh, got Demon Souls, and um, during that summer as well, I remember running through the entirety of the game um, in one day in in co op with a friend, and uh, it, it's just one of the most memorable experiences that I've I've had in games because. We, we, we just sat there. We had a Skype chat open for like 13, 14 hours or something like that. Wow. Just like, <laughs> like going through the entire game. I think you can summon in two Phantoms, so there were three of us. Um, yeah, and I was the worst player out of all of them. So when we did all the levels for each other, I would be the one who usually dies right at the end and messes it all up. Um, if I'm the world host. So, um, yeah, I think... What drew me was it was the mechanics, the obscurity of it all the sort of the mystery of it, I think. And you know, if you look at the time as well, like not many people were still talking about demon souls. I know it was a cult hit, but still, it's not definitely not what it was today. Yeah, there is a yeah. th-
0: there's a vivid memory I have of listening to um um, I don't remember which Sean it is. I'm, I apologize, but it was one of the Shauns from Gamers with Jobs. Talk about uh, Demon Souls for the first time and. He just yeah. des- he described the, the 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 process of like going down into f- from from four one into four two and he was like it's dark it's miserable it seems like it's raining shit it's horrible and I absolutely love this game and I was like I can't I don't understand <laughs> what about this is, is appealing like I just don't get it and uh, it took me yeah. like a couple of years like it took me until Dark Souls before it finally clicked for me and uh, it's, all right just because you know it was the souls games are so different in their execution from especially at that time from any other game like i was used to playing you know just like third person action games like an assassin's creed game where i was killing 18 yeah. dudes on the screen at one time with smashing yeah. buttons and the ad- i mean
1: i was the same as well yeah like i remember like my favorite game at the time was assassin's creed 2 and and uncharted. Hell yeah! I still yeah. liked my JRPGs, <laughs> um, but like I, I did have a curiosity for importing weird Japanese games uh, when I was that age. I think I was like at my most like, oh, I'm discovering this and that and the other, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think, yeah, yeah, it was just a really good time to play games for me at that point.
0: It's, it was a kind of an exciting time. Like any time that you, because when I was younger, um, you know, I was all about. The, the SNES and 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 all and, you know, that kind of stuff, and just like f- looking at like blurry pictures in a magazine, and mm-hmm. seeing these like crazy games that are coming from Japan in like three years, and not really understanding what they are, but just getting so excited for them, like that to me is 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 like seeing that that Project Dark trailer, or that's like you know what I'm saying, like it's it's just like yeah, oh, there's yeah, something yeah. over there and it's mysterious, and I want it, <laughs> like give it to me, I want to see, I want to explore all of this.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so I think after after my Demon Souls summer is what i call it uh 2010 i think that was um i started writing for a convention in the uk so they had a website where they covered games and you know i'd write about games over the course of the year but um i think it was um the next summer where i got an invite to play dark souls for the first time uh bandai namco and they had this huge event on, they were showing a bunch of other games that I, of course, just did not care about at that point. I was like, I don't care. Like, I am making a 150-mile trip just to play Demon Souls for, like, half an hour. I mean, Dark Souls <laughs> for half an hour, like, let's do it! Let's do it!
0: I don't, I don't, need, to see, I don't need to see Soul Calibur, Namco. Okay. I'm just here no. for Dark Souls.
1: <laughs> no, exactly, they had Soul Calibur Five and Ace Combat, <laughs> Assault Horizon, and all sorts I was like, when's Dark Souls opening? When's the Dark Souls room opening? And no one got it. They were just like, why do you want to play this game? We've got so much other cool stuff. And I was like, nah. But uh, I remember that build of the game. It was the Undead Parish. And you could... It's the bit with the boar. Leading up to the gargoyles. And um, I remember you could choose a few different characters. I might get this wrong. It's been a long time. But there was the Black Knight, Solaire, Elite Knight. And I think I think that was it. Um, so being if this was like the a, uh,
0: if this was the like the E3 build, I think there were five because I've seen that screenshot floating around, and I, I feel like yeah, when, they, yeah. when they did the the Dark Souls remastered network test, like they brought all of those back. <laughs> like you could just be really yeah. Like I didn't the, play the network test, so yeah, it was just like it was like a sorcerer and Solair and a Black Knight and like a couple of other yeah, just oh, randoms. That's, that's and the uh, the Black Knight was the only one that had like any like it had a Black Knight weapon. So it was everybody who was doing PvP. It was just a sea of Black Knights or just naked dudes with a Black Knight <laughs> sword because that was the most powerful weapon in there. <clears throat> yeah,
1: I remember uh, I I played as a Black Knight uh, because I like two handed weapons in these games. Um, yeah, Dragon Bone Smasher and Zweihanders and all that. Oh yeah. So. I remember just sitting there for a couple of hours at least, just making my way through that that bit, playing as different characters, and that's when um, someone tapped me on the shoulder and they're just like, "Dude, you're like further in this like game than anyone else at this event." (laughs) 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 And that guy was—he's called Andy, Andy Hamilton. Um, Now it was the first time I met him, and um, he's still one of my best friends now, and it's. One of the first times I ever talked to him uh, was at this event. And he, I was like, yeah, yeah, I completed, I like platinumed uh, Demon Souls. And he was like, oh, let me shake your hand. Um, and all this and that and the other. So when Dark Souls actually came out, there, I don't know if you remember, but there wasn't that much a big of a
0: splash around it not at all i think yeah. especially compared no, to no, like all. all of our later games that we've gotten but yeah dark souls kind oh, of yeah. had, it came up it came out against skyrim for god's sakes like that's the that's the that's so hard to forget it, that they yeah. came out in this basically the same month yeah i
1: remember there were a few champions of that game at the time i remember um you've had them on the on the show actually jason killings with review of dark souls and edge what well, is the best review of dark souls you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he made an analogy to, like, Dark Souls is is that Black Knight that's facing away from you in the undead parish, you know? And that's, I think that's such a great analogy, and no one else picked up on it at the time. I think there were only a handful of UK Games Press, at least, talking about Dark Souls, and um, that was really interesting. It was UK Games anyway. Press
0: and Vinny Carabella. Those were the... <laughs> <laughs> like that was my that was my exposure to it. Just hearing Vinny talk about it convinced me to try uh Dark Souls. I had tried Demon Souls in the past and Yeah. Like it just completely bounced off of it. Like my mind was not ready for Demon's Souls, but by by the time Dark Souls came out, I played it a couple of months after it came out and it just it just consumed me. Like that was my that it turned into like the game that I would play for two years just about straight, like with, to the exclusion of everything else in my life almost. Yeah, you
1: know, what? I, I think I was the same, like um because Dark Souls came out um, vanilla, and I, I because I was pressed at the time, I, I got it a little a little bit earlier than, than a lot of people, but the Japanese release was a week beforehand, so you'd look on the Japanese forums, and you'd see all these fucking areas that no one has ever seen before. Like, <laughs> the Crystal Caves, <laughs> like, oh my god. Where are you? How did you get I was like, I was like Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> um, I think um, it was right before, I was in Sans Fortress, um, and there was an exploit that I'd read about on the internet um with i think it was a, it's a, like a magic ring shield that you upgrade from the grass crest shield oh and, the uh the
0: but, the butterfly shield you get the butterfly yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. i remember that and
1: yeah there was an exploit where basically it did like three or four times more damage with its r2 than anything else <laughs> so um <laughs> so i i like changed my grass crest shield to that and i was just tearing tearing through all these enemies um and that's when I got to Anor Londo. Um that that part of the game for the first time, I think for everyone, is just ridiculous. Like it's massive in comparison to every other area in the game and I remember just feeling so utterly lost and hopeless throughout it and like luckily I killed um the uh, Lautrec beforehand, so I didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> so you um, skated through there. Yeah, um, Ornstein and Smao for the first time, it was, you know, before that, I think in Demon Souls, the Man were the most difficult boss for me, oh, because yeah. you're dealing with two things at a time, but at least they have the same moveset. Um, Ornstein and Smao for the first time, I remember um, when my review actually came out, I hadn't defeated Ornstein and Smile, Um because I, it, was, it was that difficult. It was, um, especially
0: Solo, well. like, that's <laughs> a really hard fight.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could summon Solarin, but that's about it, and he usually dies about halfway through. So, yeah, um, after I completed Anor Londo and got the Lord Vessel, I I put the game down for a while, because, you know, at the time I had to play, like, pretty much everything coming out. So, I think I came back to it in early 2012, uh, early 2013. uh, No, early 2012, if we're thinking end of 2011 this is, yeah. Um... And, and and I went I went through the rest of the game pretty quietly, being like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest thing in the world!" Uh, like the discovering areas and finding out how they're connected. Like um, this might sound like ridiculous, but it was only when I was writing a guide for Dark Souls Remastered this year that I went through uh, Blight Town through the depths. <laughs> um <laughs> Because I master keyed it through the Valley of the Tricks. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> for for all these years, like that's how I got to Blighttown, and that was the how to get to Blighttown. Um,
0: um, I, I want to go back to Orlando for just a second because uh, yeah. that that reveal of Orlando coming up from Sin's Fortress when the Gargoyle was just like. Bring you up over the wall, and the music swells up, and it's like this gorgeous city. I don't think that there's a moment like that in in Demon Souls, and maybe even in like the rest of the game. Like, D- Dark Souls two has that. Nah, you're right. Walk into Majula moment, which is beautiful, but and mm. especially because in Dark Souls one, you've been through Blight Town, you've been through like you probably poked into the Demon Ruins, you've been through you probably went down to the catacombs a little bit, but you never mm. saw like an, an actual city or anything, right? Like it was kind of just like. This, yeah. like uh, you know just basic like small towns more, more or less but going into Orlando and seeing this gorgeous city like changed my idea of what this game was going to be completely like i was like oh crap like there's a whole other level to this like this is that something actually new so
1: yeah i think what, what dark souls does really well is, is claustrophobia like mm-hmm. it makes you feel tiny it makes you feel small and and that's presented through the areas i mean you're always going down you know when you're ringing that second bell um and and fighting your way back up to to firelink shrine is is really difficult um so to to go to anor londo and have that almost opposite feeling of everything's huge but it's empty and that fills me with a a, a, another different sense of dread um
0: (laughs) I've, i've told this story a bunch but um you know, my, everyone's first playthrough, I think, is is, is sacred to Dark Souls. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things, especially because um, the, the the community around Dark Souls was there, but it wasn't, like, it hadn't exploded like it has now. Nah, right? Like, there wasn't, nah, so. the, you know, before the game comes out, there wasn't 15 ways to beat Ornstein and Smo. YouTube videos. Uh, so I just, like, was wandering through in Orlando and I got to the edge of where the bridge will eventually raise up and connect, and it, there was an mm-hmm. orange soap suit on it. It just said, Beware of Dark Wraith. And uh, I'm not lying. It was probably about a minute and a half that I just stood there with, like, my shield up and just circling the camera, like, expecting an enemy to fly down on me at any time. I was just terrified to walk backwards. And, of course, there is no yeah, Dark you didn't Wraith. didn't know there. what a Dark Wraith was. I <laughs> no didn't know idea. what a Dark Wraith was, did you? So... <laughs> <laughs> No,
1: nah, it's it's full of those moments. You know? Exactly. Yeah, no, it's
0: it's such a it's such a, it's such a beautiful like thing to to be able to experience for the first time, and then it's yeah, it's so much fun to watch people do it too. Like I I, I absolutely adore watching people's first playthroughs or hearing about them. So, mm,
1: uh, yeah, I remember probably one of the craziest bits for me was finally getting to the tomb of the giants. Um, I was really into a dark wave band called Dead Can Dance at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was just playing this music, this sort of weird eerie music in the background. It was very fitting. And as I entered the Tomb of the Giants, it just like, the music started like swelling for me. And I was like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Like, I, I went through Tomb of the Giants in my first playthrough completely blind. So, like, I didn't have any light source. Or cast light or sunlight maggot or anything so <laughs> oh god
0: it's miserable
1: <laughs> yeah it it was it was and i i put down the game for a little bit because i was like this is too much like i just didn't know how to do it um i think it was it was when artorias of the abyss came out that i that i went back to dark souls and, and finished it and 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 went through the DLCs and, and and things like that. And really, for me, I think that was the start of me being like, "Oh, oh God, this game is this game is not only just as good as Demon's Souls. It's, it might it might be better." And this is something that I still flip flap around a lot uh, in my head. Like I can't decide which one I prefer. Um, um but I do remember just hammering that game over and over and over again. As soon as that first playthrough was over, new game plus yep. let's go to Ash Lake. I didn't discover <laughs> Ash Lake. Um I didn't do Painted World of Ariamis. I you know, I missed out so much stuff and I just wanted to keep going back again and again and again. And yeah, that continued for about a year. <laughs>
0: That New Game Plus where you finish the game, and so you can you mm-hmm. can finally, like, okay, now I'm going to go read all the spoilers that I've been excluding myself from, basically. Yeah, and much. like And you start looking at a list of areas, and you're like, w- w- what? <laughs> who? Yeah, who is this person? S- Wait, you can so get much. what? <laughs> you can save who? <laughs> who is that guy? I was like, I didn't know
1: about Big Hat Logan. I didn't know about um, the... What's she called? The Pyromancer in uh, Town I didn't know Quilana. about her either. Yeah. Quelana. Yeah, I just... The Fair Lady? <laughs> like,
0: she can talk? <laughs> like, you yeah. can speak to her? What the heck? <laughs> yeah, what does the pendant do? Um, <laughs> oh, God, what does the pendant do? I had a, I had a yeah. really fun weekend of uh, just dive-bombing into some, like, really sketchy Dark Souls forums uh, for people mm-hmm. trying to figure out what does the pendant do. And it was, I mean, it was hundreds of pages of threads, uh, just of people, like, dressing up, with certain outfits and carrying the pendant around the forest and like, you know, staying, staying still for 30 seconds to a minute in case it was like the, you know, had the way to get back to the insane, as- the undead asylum or, you know, just yeah. all of this, this, this massive amount of effort before just a troll yeah. for like a, just a half joke from Miyazaki, which is very hilarious yeah. to me. I, I remember
1: there was a weird thing that went around, around its release that there was a rumor that you could save Sif somehow. <laughs> that you didn't have to kill Sif. I remember that, yeah. Um, I was just like, what? How do I do this? But nothing really really came about. I was like, maybe if I could like jump to this like inaccessible ledge and, and go through the path that way. Or... But, you know, of course, it was all... You, know, you, you couldn't actually save Sif. You have to kill Sif. You have to get to the Abyss. Um, and I think around this time, when I was doing those repeated playthroughs of Dark Souls... Um, the lore stuff started to get unwrapped. And so a lot more people started to hear about Dark Souls and this crazy game which doesn't tell you anything. And I remember on Twitter at the time, at least, um, a lot of people were just like, oh, I need to go back to Dark Souls. Like, this all sounds amazing. And it was then that a few people I follow started a WhatsApp group um, to help people through Dark Souls. And because I was this massive evangelist, um... They were just like Simon. We need to get you in. You you know everything about Dark Souls, and um, you know there are a few guys in there, and we started talking about Dark Souls. They all started doing their first playthroughs, and um, that group is pretty much still going <laughs> uh, <laughs> to this day. <laughs> to Very, this day, yeah. um, What, well, it's been four or five years. Like, I mean, these guys are all much older than me. And I was, what, 18 at the time? So they've they've all, like, seen me grow up and go through this stuff. And I think that, for me, in Dark Souls, that's what it means to me, is that it's one of my favourite games, but it also brought me to these amazing people that I met. And it just so happens that a lot of them worked in the games industry. um, So, for me... Um, At that time, I was working in a Lego store for a few years. I'd just finished school. I didn't go to university or college or anything like that. And uh, I I was wondering of of what I should do. And If it wasn't for those people in that group that, like, giving me advice and helping me, like, I would not have never started, like, professionally writing about games. Um, It's kind of weird to think back now uh, on that. Because I remember the, the guys; they were having kids, and, and this, and that, and the other. And now they're all like grown up, and it's kind of it's it's crazy to think about that. Um, so it was them who really inspired me to to start my career. And I remember my bank account was empty. I quit my uh, quit my job. I had like almost no money left. This is after Dark Souls Two was released. Um, I did enjoy Dark Souls Two. I'd enjoy it a lot. Uh, I don't get the hate for that game at all. Um, but it, it, it did feel like a step to the side. But I remember playing through Dark Souls 2 as, as cosplaying as Shrek with a giant club, which was fun. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that's the kind of Dark Souls player I was.
0: I actually just uh, randomly started a Dark Souls 2 run yesterday. and uh, Yeah. Just... It's, it's been a long time since I've started a new run. Usually I'll, I would, you know, dip in with the current character and do some co-op or do some PvP or whatever. Um, but yeah. start, starting fresh, it's it had been a while. And just that entire intro, uh, especially now that we have Dark Souls 3 and we have Bloodborne, and mm-hmm. to compare to, it just does not feel like a like a, like a, a quote-unquote Souls game. Like, it doesn't feel in, like in the same universe at all. And I know that's what yeah. they, were, they were going for. And I think they succeeded dramatically. I just... I, I don't I don't have any problems with that game either other than oh I have no. I have some mechanical issues with that with that game, but I think I have mechanical oh, yeah. issues so, with just about PvP related, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's it's yeah, almost I, like it's not even a like I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, like you could call that game Dragon Souls and probably have avoided a whole lot of hate for that game, right? Just because people oh, weren't totally. expecting the, the, the follow up.
1: Mm. No, um yeah, Dark Souls 2, it, it did a lot of of different things. Which I think in hindsight I appreciate a lot more now than i did at the time um i was more mad at the time because i was like oh this just this doesn't feel like dark souls what is this <laughs> yeah um but like w- with hindsight um i'm just like okay yeah this is this does something different with the uh, the formula you know so i can appreciate it a lot more um i i did go through dark souls 2 in the same fashion after I completed it, I decided um, some guys in the group were doing a Soul Level 1 Dark Souls run. So I decided to, to join the ranks and, and start going through that game at Level 1. You know, after spending hundreds of thousands of hours in, in it already. <laughs> and it, You know what? It, it's such a great way of reinvigorating like familiar territory um, in that game. Because suddenly the danger's back. Um, suddenly the mystery's back like what weapons do I use how do I use them you know where do I need to go to find this pyromancer to get this pyromancy which covenant do I join for to do PvP and that? all that stuff I didn't explore before um, so during the Soul level 1 run it was uh, it was something it was something it was really difficult it took me months almost a year to do mm-hmm. uh, I remember again getting to the Tomb of the Giants which is a massive sticking point for me um Anyway, I find that area difficult even now. Um, and getting to Nito and just being like, okay, I'm going to stop for a while. And um, I picked it back up a few months later and I did the rest of the Lord's Souls all in like one run without dying. <laughs> um, I was just like, I don't know, something just came over me that day and I was just like, I feel like a god. Um <laughs> Um and I did it in the order so I did the, the four kings first and then went to Nito. I I remember that because the four kings took me a very long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough fight um, just normally, yeah. much less much less so level one. You really have to yeah. uh like, you really have to start min-maxing at that point at Soul Level 1 to me. Like, you have to... Because I, I find it almost impossible to dodge their attacks, like, just by watching them, right? Like, so I just end up just tanking that entire fight, essentially.
1: Yeah, th- that's what I did. There, was, there were, like, two options, which is, like, you either dodge or you tank. So I rolled in with full havels and my uh, reinforced club and, and started hitting them. I think one of the coolest strategies that i heard for that was the the white light so when you kill one you can
0: still damage it in the white light if you keep hitting it <laughs> yep so my last my last run i actually killed him in three kings and i was so proud of myself i was like Ooh. <laughs> screw you four kings
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are only three of you oh man oh it's, it's just all coming back to me that soul level one run for me is is kind of what seal dark souls in like oh this is this is one of the best games ever made, if not the best game ever made. And it's
0: it's amazing how much you uh, know, I was we... still
1: flip flapping on Demon Souls because because this is the first one I played. I was like, oh, I hold it very dear to me in my heart. Whereas with Dark Souls when I played it for the first time, I was like, Oh cool, it's it's more of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have very different relationships with the series based on how they played them and what they played them and which order they played them in, so
0: I've talked to um close to 150 people for this podcast now um and they've like a a majority of them started with with dark souls 1 that seems to be the game the jumping on point for a lot of people a lot of people started with the demons and um it's interesting to hear from the people that started with Bloodborne or dark souls 3 and then worked their way backwards uh because Mm -hmm. while they have the appreciation for for those for the earlier games a a lot of them much much prefer like the the kind of movement and speed of the of the later games to the kind of because i mean demon souls is a little faster but dark souls is, going back to the remastered really kind of sealed in my home it's 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 a slower game it's a much slower paced game than just about oh, anything yeah. even if you're playing a you know a fast dex person it's it's a lot slower than say a bloodborne or a dark souls 3 so it's kind of interesting to see which people's favorites are and a lot of it mm-hmm. is, 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 is as you said just like the first game that you played i know that's it's, it's that way for me like i mean i have I don't, I don't even want to talk about how many hours I have in various versions of Dark Souls versus the other games. Oh, God,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, Tell me about it. I remember there's, there was the original PS3 version that I had. Then there was the Autority of the Abyss edition on the PS3, which had a different save data to yep. the normal PS3 version. So I had to go through it again on that. And then um, when the PC version came out, I started on there again, of course, and spent hundreds of hours on that. And It's kind of crazy to think. I don't want to think about it because it's too much <laughs> if i start quantifying it it's it's crazy and that's not even counting demon souls with data which i unfortunately lost um, oh no yeah yeah all my, all my guys i remember my first demon souls guy i, I modeled him after an anime character in legend the galactic heroes uh, he had like slicked back um, orange hair yeah. <laughs> and i i named him pheromonas um <laughs> uh 15 year old me was was pretty creative with those names huh? sure
0: yeah yeah i'm into it
1: and <laughs> uh, now every every game i play i start as a character named pheromonas and he has orange slicked back hair nice so <laughs> um it started sort of started a tradition there for me
0: um i'm curious because yeah. uh like dark souls 2 was obviously a little bit of a, of a lane shift um I, I was, I think, first introduced to you and your writing and, and everything via the Twin Humanities podcast. All right. And um, it was, I think it was the second episode that you were on, but it was uh, basically just a preview for Dark so- for Dark Souls 3. You had just been to Namco. Um, CJ mm-hmm. and Patty had played the network test, or maybe just CJ had played the network test. I'm not, I don't really remember now. But um, uh, it was, I went back and re-listened to that episode before this week because I was kind of curious. Because it was it was such a weird time in Dark because we were everybody was so excited after Bloodborne for a new Dark Souls game I think even if it was mm-hmm. a little soon people were like well I mean I don't want this to turn into Call of Duty but it's another Dark Souls game and Miyazaki is back quote unquote and all of this other mm-hmm. stuff and people were very excited for it and I want to get your opinions kind of after the fact um, just because that game has become such a it's such a weird game to talk about because it's such a good game that people seem to kind of not like just like Dark Souls two. For the exact opposite reasons that they don't like Dark Souls 2. so I'm curious where where you landed on on, on that game just as a as a whole. I think,
1: what well, looking at it, what two years out from release now, mm-hmm. um, I started to get fatigued with these games after Bloodborne came out. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I did, I spent so many hours in Demon's and Dark Souls. I played Dark Souls two a few times. Scholar came out, and DLCs came out, and I played the DLCs first, and then Scholar came out, and so I played a bit of Scholar. Um, and then Bloodborne came out, and I went through that multiple times, um, and Dark Souls 3 was announced. And I remember I made a video, but uh, right after Bloodborne was released, um, which helped me get started with my, my writing, which is all about Miyazaki's career. And I remember saying in that video, after Bloodborne came out, that like, they need to stop, basically, like it, like I'm getting genre fatigue, and I'm one of the biggest advocates of this game, <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> yeah. I love these games so much, and even I'm getting tired of them, so what what do you do then? and when three was released, i I loved three, of course, I'd love three, right? It's a new Dark Souls game, of course i uh, of course, I love it. I, I reviewed it and I gave it 5 out of 5 in the, the British newspaper called The Telegraph. Like, it's one of the only games that I've ever given a perfect score to. And and for good reason. It's because, despite how frequently they might come out, and, and Dark Souls 3's, you know, relation to Bloodborne coming out so soon, I think that Dark Souls 3 does take lessons from Bloodborne, but it's not quite the the paradigm shift that Bloodborne was. So, in terms of, like, going back and playing 3, I think it's the one that I... I've, I've only gone through Dark Souls 3, like, twice. And, and for me, that's a shocker. Um, but that doesn't make it any less good of a game. It's more down to the fact that it I was more bothered by the release schedules and how fast they were putting out these games and how familiar the ground that we were treading felt you know um and for you know dark souls 3 after you know it just kept on ramping up harder and harder and and
0: more and more and
1: more that i you know i I couldn't i can't really take it that that style of game again i don't think
0: it's um it's it's confusing i'm right there with you i've only i've only played through Dark Souls 3 twice. Um, mm-hmm. One of those characters went through New Game Plus because for some reason I have to like platinum every Souls game because I have to have that weakness inside of me. <laughs> um, but it's, it's I didn't feel the, the desire to, to keep exploring the world, to try to find out all the secrets, to um, get engaged in the online community like I did with Dark Souls 2 or uh, Dark Souls nah. 1 or anything like that. Like I just didn't care about it. And that's not to the game's fault. I think that the 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 actual mechanics of that game and it, some of the level design is some of the best in the series. Um, I think it's you know, oh yeah the quality Absolutely. of life improvements like the way that you move through the world everything is really really great. But I <clears throat> you know I, it's five games within what was it like seven years four of which had huge expansion packs. Like I was just kind of I think at that time just tired. Like I just didn't <laughs> yeah I just I just couldn't. And I, I want to go back. Like I'm, I'm purposely making myself not play that game. Not that I really have a huge desire to, but but I just want to mm-hmm. give myself some space between it, so that um, maybe after Sekiro comes out, like returning to Dark Souls three and with fresh eyes to see if I like it. But and I think that mm. I think that the difficulty curve that you mentioned is going to be what, because that's that's the part that's not really fun to me. Uh
1: mm, like the later parts of that game are really hard. I mean, in a way that in a way that, just, uh, just, a way
0: yeah. that n- none of the other games are exactly. You know? Yeah, uh, and you um, s- you saw that creep with Bloodborne. Like if you if you go into like some of the Chalice dungeons, like the the story Chalice dungeons that you have to do with half health with mm-hmm. huge monsters that have an incredible amount of health. Like you saw that you started seeing that creep, and uh, it's not some of that stuff is fun. I think it works for Bloodborne a lot better than it does with Dark Souls Three. Um,
1: yeah, I agree. I think. It was the Twin Princes fight. Yeah, um, yeah. It was. I mean, playing that game through, like, pre-release with no FAQs, no guides, nothing. You know, like, one other dude who's playing it, but he's not as far as you. And, and going through that fight and trying to figure that stuff out, like, completely blind. It was it was super tough. Especially with, like, the sort of limited uh, tank build that I was running. Um, So I, I remember how, like, that's... That, that, for me, is a lasting impression of that game, is that, like, this isn't fair. And I, I feel that Dark Souls 3 did step that line, in retrospect. It went from being difficult but fair, but this isn't fair. Like, this actively isn't. Um, Are you concerned and-
0: that that's going to be the, the case for um, Sekiro or... Um- any other games that in the future like if they eventually do do the the Bloodborne 2 that everybody talks about or uh, you know Dragon uh, Souls or whatever whatever future games that they make like are you concerned that they're it's going to be that difficult or do you think that was kind of a marketing thing because the the marketing for Dark Souls was so you're going to die you're going to die over and over you're going to die a million times like we're going to kill you so many times it's so hard blah blah blah, blah, blah.
1: I, I don't know if it, if it's that or the game reacting to players getting better hmm. that, that's what I think it is it's that they know that players are beating Dark Souls with Guitar Hero controllers and, and stuff like that, so let's give them a the bigger challenge. And I, I get it from their point of view. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, and am I concerned about From Software's new games? Sekiro seems to be a really interesting change of pace um, from what they've currently done. Um, in terms of setting, in terms of design... it it sounds a lot more like a traditional third-person action game than it does like a quote-unquote Souls game, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to do them a lot of favours. And I think it's going to do fans of their games a lot of favours. Because if they were to put out another game in the vein of Bloodborne and in the vein of Dark Souls, I think that people will again be saying, oh, we're so tired of this and, you know... So when I saw that Sekiro reveal, um, I was excited, and I am excited. I love Devil May Cry, I love Ninja Gaiden, I love Bayonetta, and to me it seems more like that than a Souls game, and that's what I'm excited for, and I think it's going to be a different type of game, so I don't know if they're comparable yet, you know, Uh, it's, it's, it's a hard call to make. Um,
0: you're actually the, uh, the first person, um, I've recorded with since E3. So you're the first mm-hmm. person to be able to offer any kind of like opinions on Sekiro. Uh, and I, I just like, as a chance to just geek out on everything I saw, like, I am so excited for that game. <laughs> I'm, oh, no. Same. I don't know. am I'm so happy that From gets the chance to, you know, go back to the, I'm not gonna say go back to their roots, but just try to get weird and zany because... Um, I think a lot of people like nowadays. A lot of people know like some of some of From's history, but the the further back into the PS2 days you go, or the PS1 days you go, like the weirder their games were, and for them to get a chance yeah, to yeah totally do that experimentation again, and with everything that they've learned from the Souls game with the with the crazy storytelling and with the you know the weird bosses and the kind of over the top fantasy, yeah. but but you know sad fantasy, like Miyazaki has been quoted as saying. Um, <laughs> um, so, I think that's a, that's going to be just such a crazy and interesting experience i'm so excited for it
1: yeah i'm i'm super pumped for for sekiro and and all the different ways it's gonna you know let us kill things um <laughs> and the pace i like i like the pace of those games a lot like the third person action yeah and i've been really jonesing for one recently so i think sekiro might tick that box
0: yeah it, sh- it um, should be it should be pretty exciting i'm a. a I'm just, I just, I'm at this at the point now where all I really need is a release date. Like I don't, I don't need to see any more yeah. trailers or anything. Like I'm, I'm hooked. Just, just give me a release date so I can pre-order it and I'll be done. That's all I need. Yeah,
1: same. And I think it's really good that you know, from the sounds of it, Activision basically gave them a blank check and be like, make a game, um, and just put it out. Um, but I before Dark Souls three released, um. I got the chance to interview Miyazaki.
0: Yeah, I was about to mention um, that, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, um, so like when I started writing about games, I it was like this bucket list thing. Was like I'm going to interview Hitachi Miyazaki, the guy who made Dark Souls, the guy who like kicked this all off for me. <laughs>
0: no pressure. Um, no, 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 this should be easy. <laughs> I know, right? Um,
1: yeah, I mean. Uh, the allure is kind of broken when you see him in the morning, morning wearing sandals and eating eggs. So, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's got the book about the Dark Souls lore. Um, but yeah, um, it was a press event. Um, I think it was held in Germany. They, they like, flew a bunch of Jonas over, and I interviewed him in the most Dark Souls place possible. Um, so it was a, like, a gothic cathedral, like a re, like, uh, a renovated church basically and it looked like something out of anor Orlando. and there was a full moon that night it was a clear night and it looked eerie as hell and i remember that namco actually put out uh like two little like big motes of fire and during the middle of like the play session of the build of dark souls 3 we were playing um someone came in like that was not a part of the event like this wasn't like scripted or scheduled. They were just like this isn't right. You shouldn't be doing this at a church Uh like like screaming What? That's
0: crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it it was insane.
1: And I was like, okay, like <laughs> that is such a weird, unique experience to have. It was a very strange event. But getting back to actually being in a room with Miyazaki, um I I wanted to get an interview out of him that was something only I could get out of him. Like, a lot of people can interview a lot of developers, and they're always going to give the same questions and answers to the most common questions. So, um, I think we were talking about From Software's history a little bit earlier, and I, being a big mecha fan, um, From Software did did do a lot of different mech games, from Armored Core to the um, Another Century episode series to uh, another fantasy mech game called Framegride. And I asked... Miyazaki what the game he wanted to make was and he said a a blend of fantasy and mech and to me that was like okay I got it I got I got my scoop I got the thing that only I could get out of him and we ended up talking about like 80s Japanese anime for a while there was a lot of stuff that got cut from that interview um that I wish I could put out uh but yeah uh it it felt amazing to to meet him and yeah after the interview was over I was like you know what um thank you for making all this because without those games I wouldn't be standing in front of you I wouldn't really be writing about games at all um and he was very courteous and kind and it, it's looking back it's it's very surreal for me um, just because of the sort of pedestal I put him on in my head um because I adore these games so much and what those games have done for me so much um it was, just, it was just a really good, interesting experience, and I hope to interview him again
0: someday at some point. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah. You're not Facebook friends now? I mean, I figure that's how every interview ends, with like changing <laughs> Facebook information. No, no. Me, me and Yoko Taro
1: are Facebook friends.
0: <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're going to end this podcast, and you and I are going to have some off-air conversations. <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting yeah. that you, you keep coming back to that. That was... Um, you posted something on Twitter uh, recently, and that's the, the kind of the inspiration for me to ask you to be on the podcast. You were you, you've always been on my list when I started this podcast. Like I had I, I, I sat down and like made a list of people that I would eventually get on, and just tried to. That's that's very kind. Um, but uh, it's you 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 mentioned the same thing on Twitter of like, man, it's weird to think that you know playing Dark Souls has has literally changed my life. And that's a question that I've been asking uh, all of the people I've been interviewing recently is like, how these games have affected you personally or professionally it's crazy to me like my life just because i started a Mm -hmm. a a garbage hate mail blog for dark souls like i met you know the bonfire side chat boys like that was (laughs) my intro yeah and then and then all of a sudden now like this is what i do like i this it, it 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 led to me finding a a hobby that i love to do like podcasting is now something that i absolutely adore doing i do it all the time i have three of the damn things it's ridiculous um besides professionally like do you think that this these games have kind of changed the way that you approach media or approach approach other video games um because obviously this this led you into to a career path but has it actually changed the way that you approach this thing that we love to do
1: um i think it has because i think dark souls helped me define what i like in games um you know i talked about discovering weird niches before and i think it's the style of combat it's the atmosphere it's the it's the intricacies of the mechanics is what i enjoy in these games and that sort of laid the groundwork for me to find other games not necessarily exactly like dark souls um but other games which have elements of those things in them which i'm going to enjoy so um I remember after Dark Souls, you know, one of the guys in the Dark Souls chat um, was was playing Monster Hunter, and he was like, Siam, I love Monster Hunter, you, this is very much your thing, you should buy it, and off of that recommendation, I picked up a Wii U and Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, and lo and behold, it's one of my favourite games ever now, and why that is, is because it has those elements in a game that I enjoy, so the animation priority, the the upgraded mechanics, the just the depth of everything in it, you know, and I think that's what I look at in games now. Like I know what I enjoy now. I know what kinds of games I enjoy now, and I don't think I'd have that if if I didn't sort of set the baseline with I like Dark Souls, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have that at all. Um, and even looking at other games that I like, you know that were on my sort of all times list before I played Demons and Dark Souls so I really like uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night you know <laughs> uh, like looking back I'm just like oh god damn it like I, I knew what kind of game I liked but I didn't really define elements in the same way that I do now so it's it's helped me sort of formalise my taste in games a lot Um, but I don't hold everything to a kind of like is this as good as Dark Souls because you know y- you can't really do apples apples comparisons to to different games but it certainly has changed my perception of what games i do choose to play um because i can now define those elements i like
0: so with that in mind um obviously you know we we know is coming out um which is their their kind of vr play mm-hmm. as a ghost slash fairy haunting a family which is extremely my shit and I cannot wait for that game to come out. Uh but like knowing that that with kind of what From Software's plans in the future are now, what's your yeah. what's your kind of pie in the sky? What's your dream game for Miyazaki? Like what do you and it's you know, what what kind of like if you were like could just whisper in his ear as he was sleeping, you know, like Max or whatever, like what would it <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: So o- alongside Darestine and, and Sekiro they're actually developing another game. Um, I, I don't know if, if, like, this is super known knowledge or not, but I think they have talked about like having two triple A's in development. And when he was talking about Derricy and Miyazaki said that this is not one of the two triple A games that we're developing. So there is something else, and I think that that's going to be a sequel to Armored Core, um, which I, which is what I would say to you if I didn't. You know, think that was happening, um, but in on Dreamcast, uh, From Software put out a game called Frame Gride and it's a mech game, <laughs> and it's also a fantasy game. But it has all the customization elements of Armored Core. But I think if you conflate that with sort of how Armored Core and Dark Souls work, to create a a sort of middle ground, I think that could be really amazing to play, so for me, I'm still looking for that fantasy mech Follow up to the 99.9 9, 9 game frame gripe that absolutely no one played.
0: I'm looking so. <laughs> at the. I just. because uh, I've never heard of it and I was like Googling images and like it's just mechs with giant swords. I'm kind of into this. I might have to go try to emulate this later just to see what oh, it's yeah. like. It's, it's not great. <laughs> I'll give you that. But... <laughs> it L- looks like dope Madrid, though. Like the yeah. art looks good.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Like the, that opening is, is cool as hell. Um, yeah, I guess that that's that's my. Massive wish for <laughs> what From FromSoftware are going to do next.
0: Well, Sam, thank you very much for for agreeing to be on the show and for spending an hour with me this morning. I very, very much appreciate it. Um, no problem. I've always it was a pleasure I'll, to be on. I always like interviewing people that uh, that um, not only have spoken to Miyazaki, but have like kind of studiously played and thought about these games over the years. And it's always you can always you can always tell like when someone has a really like internalized thought process about these games and it's always a pleasure to talk to you so um yeah
1: no, no problem i mean yeah this, this is going like, back what eight years now which is crazy to yeah. know, so. it's
0: almost a decade man it's crazy uh yeah. where can you be found on the internet where can people find you you and um, your work
1: me and my work you can find me on twitter mostly at Siam. that's s-a-y-e-m-a-h-m-d um, I also run a podcast about Gundam plastic models, and that is at Club. and you can find links to everything there. You can find my writing work over on mostly on the Telegraph, and sometimes other places. I'll let you know on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, thank you for having me on. It was, it was really fun to sort of... It's really cathartic to, for me to talk about this, like, in hindsight, because I've never done that before. <laughs> so... Uh,
0: just sit down and talk about the entire history, huh?
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I just wrote, wrote a massive uh, Eurogamer guide to Dark Souls when the remaster came out. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was, it was so cathartic just to put everything I know about Dark Souls into a single thing, like, into a single document. So like all the way from like okay, go to Blighttown, get the Sealer set and then, and then come back, then go through the under
0: <laughs> The serious strats is what you what you what you were writing down.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, the, the deep knowledge is is <laughs> finally gone all out there in some form or another. So I've like purged it from myself
0: i'll uh, i'll be sure to link that and um all, all of the all of the rest of your links in the show notes so if you're if you're listening now um go go open up your phone and hit your podcatcher and uh go, go check out all of those links if you're not already you probably already are um so and again thank you Sam. i really appreciate you casting no worries again it's a pleasure to be on sorry it was so early for you <laughs> oh no that that's okay um <laughs> As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all of the social media networks that the podcast is on. You can also find links to uh, our merchandise. If you want to put a skelly on your belly, that's the place to go. Um, There's also a Patreon, and you can also leave iTunes reviews, or you can just tell your soul's friends about the show. That works as well. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, don't give up Skeleton. Man, that was a quick hour. <laughs> I should look down and I was like holy crap. I know. We're like fifty-seven minutes at <laughs> least. I know. And we didn't really get into bloodboard. We didn't <laughs> really talk about bloodboard at all.